Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> Thank you, the voice of Ryan Treasure, for that great introduction. I have to tell you that I never remember which way I say the future is, so I'm just going to say that's where the future is, that's where we're going. I have a wonderful show for you today. I have great inf- My office is empty. I'm getting a huge echo because I'm moving to another state 10 minutes after the show is over. So we'll just deal with it. And I want to say safe passage to everybody who's in the eye of category five hurricane Ian which is named actually after a very close relative of mine, and he's been taking grief from people for days about this name choice. So let's get started. Okay, I'm going to open with my buzz quote as usual, but I have a song from, oh my goodness, 1907, written by Will Cobb and Gus Edwards. And the song goes like this, reading and writing and arithmetic taught to the tune of the hick. Stick. If anybody's old enough to remember that, it's called School Days. It's about a couple looking back nostalgically on their days in primary school, and it was actually featured in a Broadway show of the same name. The key words here are school and arithmetic. Keep that in mind. Here's buzz quote number two. This is from Alice Lee, who writes for FastCompany.com. In the past, and here's our topic, financial literacy has been pushed aside within K to 12. That's kindergarten through 12, what we used to call elementary school. There has been a lack of agreement on how and what to teach. Why? Because financial education prepares students for the reality they're going to face in the real world. That's why it's important and contributes directly to their future success, it deserves to hold the same priority as other subjects. I think everybody on this panel will agree with that. And we're talking about financial literacy today. I have another quote from Fast Company. Students in states with financial education curricula are more likely to save and less likely to pay their credit cards late. They're also more likely to be banked. Ah, banking services. What about that? I have buzz number four, and this is from an organization called InCharge.org. And they say preschool-age children, that's pretty young, are capable of learning simple spending plans. Early training in categorizing money establishes patterns for future money management behavior. Who knew? The lesson includes, in this particular school, children introduces them to the topic of dividing money into categories. Save, okay, Spend, okay, and share. What an idea. I'm not sure what the share is, but we'll find out. We present activities, this is from the people with this curriculum, that will help children understand that money is limited in quantity and must be divided for different purposes. I think the word budget is lurking there. So I'm going to name my five wonderful panelists. It's a packed house today. Why not? We have the the leader of the pack here. She is a wonderful person. She's been a friend of mine. Her parents are dance teachers. I know them from Long Island. Karen Tenenbaum. Karen, just wave hello. Karen put together this marvelous panel. I've been trying to get her on my show for a long time, and we finally came up with the topic. I think I insisted. Karen, I contact you on LinkedIn. We got to do a show, and let's talk about it. Financial literacy is the topic today. So thank you very much. Then we have Rumbi Petrozello. I hope I'm saying that right. Hi, Rumbi. Thank you for joining us today. Wonderful smile. We have Kelly Kirkshue, and she spells her last name K-I-R-K hyphen 
XU. Thank you for teaching me that, Kelly. She has a new baby and she's still awake, which is good. No, that's not the baby. Kelly's awake. And then we have Mac Gardner. Hello, Mac. And Mac is from Florida. And you're the one I sent the shout out to about being safe. I know you're in Tampa. And he has power and that's a good thing. And he's powerful too. And then we have Anna Maria Lusardi. Anna Maria, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Karen, you're my hero, my heroine today. You put together this wonderful panel. As you said to me before we started the show, there's great talent here and people who are really committed to the topic. And we're talking about the future of financial literacy. Can we raise our kids' money IQ? And I'm not sure if I made up the term money IQ or if I read it somewhere. So there we go. Let's go around the table. Let's stick to our three-minute rule. I'm going to attempt against the freezing gods to put you on speaker view at least for a couple of seconds. Karen Tenenbaum, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do, what your background is in finance and money. And no, we don't want to know how much you have in your account right now. That's not part of the show. And just a couple of sentences as part of your bio on what does financial literacy for any age mean to you? Karen? Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for having us. I'm really excited to have put together this panel, really the top in, in, in the field. If you want to know anything about financial literacy, th- this is the crowd to talk to. So I'm Karen Tannenbaum. Uh, I'm a tax attorney, uh, a CPA. I'm the co-founder of Commerce Plaza, which is the children's business school. And I'm the co-creator of Walt of the Vault. Walt of the Vault, I'm friendly and nice. I'm filled up with rhymes and financial advice. Hold him, up, hold him up again. I want to see him again. Take a picture. There we go. Ah, beautiful. Go ahead, Karen. Save your nickels, save your dimes. Listen well to all my rhymes. And if you do, it's me you'll thank for all the money in your bank. And he teaches money principles. And we're lucky enough to have Kelly on our team. She teaches at OutSchool and, uh, and teaches uh, values, money values, how to, how to spend, how to save, how to donate, you know, all those things that you need to know. Look, every child walks into the store at a young age and says, oh, mommy, I see it. I like it. I want to buy it. And you have to learn to set limits and boundaries. And we're teaching that to young to young children. I was also the inaugural chair of the Financial Literacy Committee of the New York State Society of CPAs. Uh, Rumbi is our past um, immediate past president of the State Society. And we put together resources that are still online, although I don't know if they've been updated, um, that for every age. So I'm focusing on younger children. Uh, Commerce Plaza is for 11-year-olds, fifth graders. Walt of the Vault is three to six or seven-year-olds. But we also have resources for middle schoolers, uh, high schoolers, and college and beyond. How many people do I hire in my law firm? We handle IRS and New York State tax problems. We hire people right out of school, and they don't know that taxes get taken out of their paycheck. They don't understand the basics. And so we're here to teach financial literacy to all ages. Thank you, Karen. Rumbi Petrocello, you have been summoned by Karen to be our, no, you're in my list for the next speaker. Rumbi, would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself? What does financial literacy mean to you? And how did you come to be selected by Karen? What, what's, what's your play on financial literacy? Rumbi, welcome. Thank you so much, Bonnie. It is so great to be here. Uh, my name is Rumbi Petrocello. I am the Senior Director of Consulting at Sarah Mount. And so Sarah Mount is actually a professional services and research firm that's uh, committed to uh, advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion um, in the workplace. And we use an evidence-based approach. And of course, that speaks to my heart. I am a CPA. As Karen mentioned, I am the immediate past president of the New York State Society of CPAs. 
And financial literacy is something that I, you know, sort of has been important to me for a very long time. I think almost since I became a member of the New York State Society of CPAs, I've been involved in various financial literacy uh, outreaches. I've been involved in sort of volunteer events, um, talking to some of our representatives and government about bringing financial literacy into the curriculum in schools because um, I am a forensic CPA by trade and a lot of issues that come up in the work that I do could have been prevented or at least mitigated if people had a level of financial literacy. And I, I get so frustrated sometimes when, when I look at the school system and I see how little education mm-hmm. there is in financial literacy because you become an adult and there's this assumption that you already know how to do everything. And it is a mystery. How did you find out? It is not handed to you from the heavens. So um, it definitely is something that needs to be taught because this is this is how you survive in the world that we live in. Capitalism needs yeah. financial literacy. Thank you. I, I have to jump in here and say, you know, again, I handle tax problems with the IRS in New York State, and I see the financial difficulties that people get into yep. as adults. And yep. so I'd like the next generation to avoid some of these problems. Well, that's why we're here talking about the future of. Let's go to Kelly. Kelly, it's your turn. Introduce yourself, please. Hey there. Um, thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, I got connected with Karen. I'll start there. Um, I, well, on LinkedIn, um, and you sent me, I don't really know how it happened, but you sent me your website, walltothevault.com. And I took a look and I was like, oh my God. This is gold um, because they have songs and books and amazing characters and poems. And it was just so high quality, just not turned into content yet. My background is um, in acting and teaching. I've been teaching for over a decade. decade, And when I was in China, my acting soared because there wasn't a lot of competition. (laughs) So I got a lot of opportunity. Um, and then I ended up like, really, there wasn't a lot of competition. I opened up my own acting school and uh, we put on shows and we filmed videos. And then I also was acting in, um, apps that were like interactive, like education in China is so far ahead of here. And so it was like, what? So much is possible. So they have all these games where like, I would be on a green screen. I'd be like, wow, where is the whatever book? And then you're like, here, here, here. And then you record again. No, try again. Yeah. And then you'd sing like you know, stupid little songs that were like so fun. And I'm singing them to my baby now. And so then I saw what Karen has done and I was like, ah, this will be so easy to actually turn into what it can be. I mean, not at all, but now we're making animated. We've made an animated series. We have about 15 uh, episodes and we're working on new books. We're working on kid-centered everything. And as well, I also teach Mm -hmm. online. I teach at outschool.com and I teach lots of classes on um, financial literacy money. And the reason I got into it was like Ruby said, frustration. Because I grew up in a house that like they'd always teach you save. And oh, and I just like grew up like, oh, I know what to do with money. I save. But then actually once I was like 20, whatever, I had all this money saved up and I was like, now I can go on a road trip. So also I didn't really learn what to do with savings. And it wasn't until adulthood of like, you know, COVID and being forced at home. I'm like, wait, what? And so I started learning more and more. And I was like, and then I went, nope, let's teach it. (laughs) Kelly, I wish you had some enthusiasm and energy. You're really very dull. (laughs) And she's so creative. I I can't believe it. 
I don't know if she's running on fumes. I know you have a five-month-old and, and Mazel Tov on no, your this this recent me, edition. <laughs> this, this is you, and the acting is showing through. Thank you so much. I want to finish our introduction around Mac Gardner, Mr. Tampa, Florida. You're here. We're so happy. I hope you're safe. Mac, just give us a quick weather update and then do your bio, no, no, please. No, 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 no. You're happy? I am happy, y'all, because if I'm on this, that means I have electricity, okay, and I have internet. So uh, we are extremely happy. So a lot of rain, the storm, uh, the eye moved south uh, over the past few hours. So we are in Tampa, Florida. It looks like it's going to be heading closer to Fort Myers. Uh, but we still have a day full of rain ahead of us. But as I said, we have power. And with three children in the house, out of school, we will take it. So uh, <laughs> Matt Gardner, author of two certified financial planner, been in the business, wealth management, financial planning industry for 20 plus years, author of two books. My first one is called Motivate Your Money, which one I wrote for adults, for, for big people, as I like to say. And then uh, a few years into my practice, one of my clients came to me and said, Mac, I love your Mac nuggets. I love how you simplify the financial planning process for your clients. Would you be open to writing a, cha- a, a book for kids? And so I wrote the four money bears kind of weird, hard to see it there. So the four money bears is um, an, an attempt to provide parents with young children a fun and entertaining way to start the conversation about money. Because as so many people have alluded to on this call earlier, it's not taught in schools, folks. <laughs> and so if you are a parent that never got it, how do you start the conversation with your kids? So the basic concept is there's four things you can do with money. Spend it, save it, invest it, or give it away. So we created these four bears, these four money bears that help teach kids and parents that there are four functions. And if those four functions of money work together and work early, the target demographic for our book is K through five, a lot of great things will happen in life. Finland Tech started because we started having folks asking us about different ways to get the message out. Books are fun. Books are neat. But kids are learning differently. They're learning on these things. They're learning on devices. And so we believe Finlay Tech that what folks are really trying to get to is, is, is overall financial wellness. And we believe there's mm-hmm. a formula. And that formula is this. There's financial literacy, which is super important. You got to have the literacy. Very important. But if you don't provide people the tools or the financial capability or the fintech, you really can't accomplish financial wellness. So that's our mission. Our mission is to build a bridge between financial literacy and financial technology. And we develop uh, digital platforms and tools starting at elementary school. Thank you very much. I, I remember when the hard conversation with parents and children was the birds and the bees. We have to add something to that because, my, Karen, because money has to come into it. Let me get to Anna Maria Lusardi. Anna Maria, so happy to have you here. I know you have a very, well, you're in academia and we're interested very much in who you are and why are you passionate about this topic. Anna Maria, please introduce yourself. Well, thank you very much for having me today. I am indeed an academic. I teach at George Washington University, but I'm also the founder and academic director of the Global Financial Literacy Excellence Center. So we have financial literacy in the name. And so as you can imagine, we have a big focus exactly on financial literacy. I come to this topic from research. I've been doing research on on this and on financial literacy and the consequences of financial literacy for about 20 years. And this is why we are very passionate about it, because we have seen very clearly in the data and around the world that financial literacy matters. It has huge consequences on people's lives. And um, 
it's linked to all kinds of behavior, to how much people spend, save, invest, insure, um, and just how, how happy they are. So we think it's uh, critically important, and in particular that it should start as early as possible. I used to say as the, when the tooth fairy comes to your house. Um, so as soon as you get money, you should learn some financial literacy. It's critically important. We also think that because today the world is so complicated and financial instruments are so complicated um, and we need to understand the world around us, we cannot just leave it to people to learn by themselves. And so, for example, at George Washington University, we started in 2003 a personal finance course. And we believe that there should be a course in every school in the U.S. started in elementary school or perhaps in kindergarten and using all of the books that, you know, I, I hear here or um, that, that people have written dedicated to children, to young people and so on. One of the things I want to say, if we look today, who is financially literate? is mostly the children or the young people uh, from privileged background, children which have uh, parents which are college educated or which are wealthy, white and male. So, you know, we need to democratize financial literacy and it starts with the school. We need to give everybody an access to financial education and the school is the best access in our uh, opinion. And that's why I'm so happy uh, that we are here today to talk about this important topic. And, you know, we can all do something um, to make sure that we give everybody uh, a tool to succeed in today's society. Thank and you, you also Anna started Maria. the first money museum for children in Italy, right? Tell us about that. Yes, well, I am an advisor, <laughs> but I wanted to say in Italy, we have 5,000 museums, and now we have one more. Uh, it's the Museum of Saving. It's located in Italy, in Turin. If you haven't visited Turin, here is one more opportunity to go and visit. It's a beautiful city, but it also has a beautiful museum. Uh, and it is indeed devoted. Museums are places where to go, enjoy, and learn. And so, you know, now there is a possibility to learn about saving in this beautiful museum. And, uh, you know, from there you learn about, for example, you know, history. You learn about not just money, but you learn about um, how uh, money was used in the past. Uh, you can hear interviews and you can, you know, learn about definitions, what, you know, certain things mean, what's the difference between a bond and a stock. And at the moment, there is a beautiful collection of piggy banks, uh, uh, which have been donated to the museum. And uh, there are, you know, two little ants, which are going to be your mascot and guide you through the museum. And I want to say this idea of money museum has really spread around the world. It, you know, it didn't start in Italy, actually. There was already several money museums. And so recently, we have created a federation of finance and money museum so that you know we can join forces and use museum as another tool to increase financial literacy for children. Thank you. Fascinating. Karen, I'm glad you asked her to say that. <laughs> Appreciate that. What a panel. 
What a panel. And you know, I have a, have a question for all of you. When is a bank not a bank? What is a bank anymore? Who, where are the financial services coming from? When is, when is it a dollar? When is it? I found some $2 bills the other day. I gave one to my daughter for good luck because they're so rare. Um, you know, Susan B. Anthony dollars and there's crypto and there's up and down in the crashes. And what do you do in investments and the stuff? I don't even look at my, my investments anymore. I get sick. I, I, is it an up? Is it a bull market, a bear market? Am I up? And I, I lost so much money in the past three months. I could have bought my new house where I'm moving in Tennessee. I could have bought it for cash four months ago. And it's not a cheap house. I lost that much. So it's painful what is happening. But I want to tell you all that when I was getting divorced in Eugene, Oregon, my friend Patty, who was working for some kind of a financial firm, took me aside and said, do you know anything about credit? She said, you will no longer be a married lady with credit through your husband. Do you have credit? And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. And she said, let's go to Macy's and let me get you a credit line with your credit card in your own name. And let's teach you about a line of credit and you can establish your credit. And Patty did that for me as a friend. Can you believe that she also owned a, a spa and a gym and she let me go there and teach disco. It was really cool. Anyway, we bartered services and, but she's the one who had to teach me. And I have one more question yeah. for all of you. It's a rhetorical question. Don't answer. But I think as adults, we need to learn how to read contracts before we sign them. <sighs> contracts that involve our finances, because I don't think the normal person like me not exactly normal, but I still don't know how to read a contract at 11 o'clock at night when I want to bid on a house in another state when somebody puts it in front of me and I keep clicking DocuSign, 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 and I find out I signed the contract from hell and there's nothing legally I could do about it. So we need, we need literacy for everybody on how do you do business online and teach sanity to people who need to engage in contracts that involve financial literacy. I'm going to leave that one there. You're all wonderful. Karen, what a panel. You told me, but until I met them all, astonishing. The, the amount of commitment. It's not just you know about it. You are so committed and engaged in financial literacy. I'm grateful to all of you. and I haven't even gotten your quotes and your predictions yet, so let's move on. I'm going to read your quotes. I'm going to read the quote that each sent me from a fictitious character in a movie or a fictional character, a movie or a TV show or a song lyric. Instead of three minutes, let's keep it squished to two minutes each because I want to get to the predictions, which are important. Karen Tenenbaum, one of my favorite songs. She, not the Karen Tenenbaum song. The song is Shining Star <laughs> by Earth, Wind, and Fire. 1975. Oh, did I dance to this one? Album was That's the Way of the World. It won a Grammy for Best R&B Performance by a duo or group with vocals. And there's so many things. Uh, it's been called, Earth, Wind, and Fire has been called Sweaty Funk. It's been called A Treasure. It's been called It Glows with an Incendiary Charge that once moved record producer Sandy Perlman to term Earth, Wind, and Fire, the closest thing to a black heavy metal band that ever existed. There's so many praises for this group. Shining Star, wonderful song. And here's the lyric Karen quoted. Two minutes, Karen. You're a shining star no matter who you are, shining bright to see what you could truly be. Karen, two minutes. What does this mean for our topic today? Everyone has a strength and you should find your strength and play to other strengths for everyone to be successful. I don't even need two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a team team in my office and uh, I say, what are they good at? And and I make sure that that's what they're doing. And I find someone else to fill Mm -hmm. the gaps, including my gaps. Right. So I actually just hired a, uh, a business operations analyst. It's in today's Newsday, and I already got a text from somebody from uh, one of the other accounting associations saying, what, what is that? And I said, it's really a person 
you know, we keep a lot of uh, key performance indicators, a dashboard of how KPIs. we're doing. Yep. And we, we, we have goals. So where are we now? Where do we want to be? And who's going to help implement and fill that gap? And this person is, has a business background and is going to help us implement all my great ideas. <laughs> going to be a shining star. There you oh, go. There Thank you. Go. Play, to, Thank play to everyone's strengths. That's really Thank you, Karen. She's, Karen's clearly not a woman who has trouble with understanding and dealing with money like some of us are. It's like, yes, I can't charge too much because I'm a nice person. Let's get over that one. Rumbi Petrozello, I'm looking at your quote here. It's a beautiful quote from the song Golden by Jill Scott from 2004. It's the first single by American Soul and R&B singer-songwriter Jill Scott from her third album, Beautifully Human. I love the name of that. It hit number 59 on the UK singles chart, and it's been featured, here's the point, in 2008's Grand Theft Auto 4, that's Roman numeral 4 game, and the soundtrack, and it's been played in the movie's Beauty Shop, Obsessed, and What Men Want. How about that? Here's the line. I'm living my life like it's golden. Rumbi, talk to us. Two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. So um, I, I love this song because, you know, we don't always have fabulous days. Sometimes we wake up and it's a bit of a struggle. And I just have to remind myself always to live my life like it's golden because this is, you know, so this is, this is how you lift yourself, how you sort of move forward, how we keep going. And then, of course, if we bring it back to financial literacy, right, if we are financially literate, we can definitely live our lives like they're golden. So um, always, always, always. Um, and and she actually mentions in her her lyrics that she's you know she's taking her freedom and putting it on a chain and wearing it around her neck. And that's another thing, right? It's like you you move into a space where through your literacy you're financially free, so you can do these things. You can live your life like it's golden. And always. you can you can buy gold. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> I, Ruby, I had, had to get that in there. I had to get I know, that in there. I know. The new Thank gold, though, now is lithium, apparently. So remember that. Ooh, okay. Well, who knows what it's going to be? And they say data is the new oil, and people contrary to that say, but oil gets dirty and has to be put somewhere in the ground because you can't reuse it. But data can be used and used and used and used and used. Okay, we'll not get on that track. Let's go to Kelly Kirkshoe. Kelly has a quote from Leslie Knope. I hope I said that right. Played by Emmy Poehler. Everybody knows Parks and Rec or Parks and Recreation. American political satire, mockumentary sitcom TV series. That's a lot of genres in there on NBC from 2009 to 2015. It only had 125 episodes, only had seven seasons. And Leslie is fictional, perky, mid-level bureaucrat and the main protagonist on Parks and Rec. She's the deputy director of the Parks and Rec Department of the fictional city of Pawnee, Indiana. There we go. And here's the quote. I love this quote, Kelly. Can't wait to see what you say. One person's annoying is another person's inspiring and heroic. Oh, my. Kelly, talk. Two minutes. One person's annoying is another person's inspiring and heroic. And I'm sure that Leslie would add on to that. And if they do think it's annoying, it's just because they're coming to it with the wrong perspective, because actually it's awesome. And (laughs) that's how I feel like about almost everything I teach, because I only teach stuff I love. And um, one thing about me, I went to 12 schools by the time I graduated college. So I saw a lot of different teachers and I really got like, I became a little like a teacher reviewer. And so I could really tell what works. And so now I try to be like, you know, the dream teacher. And I like, I, I, like, I also teach math and I love just teaching things that people think is stressful or annoying. 
and making it fantastic. And um, so I think um, that's how I feel about financial literacy. Everyone needs to learn about it. Everyone is spending money all day and getting money taken away for taxes and, you know, making money. I mean, the whole, like, not the whole point of life, but, you know, a huge factor of life is whether or not you're comfortable with your money. And um, I love what Karen said, like, it almost made me cry, literally, when she said, what is someone's strength? And I look at my, I look at my team and I say, are they doing their strength? And if not, I hire someone. And I think we can also um, feel relaxed because money can, you can really work with your strengths with money too. If you're kind of crazy, you can go about it crazy. If you're really stressed out, there's ways to invest that are very chill, you know, so learning, leaning into your strengths. Um, also, it doesn't have to be annoying. Thank you very much. I had an author on my Monday night creativity show called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. And I have a different name I use for that. It's AKA Radio Red. That's me. And this gentleman said that he found in writing his novels, he writes uh, fantasy fiction. He said, find something that will annoy or irritate your reader so that they will pay attention. And he says some of the worst reviews he gets on whatever website, Amazon, whatever, the, the one star or the not, not any star, he gets it from yeah. people who have, it has awakened a thought process in them, has irritated them, annoyed them. They say, I didn't like that character in your book because it made me think of such and such, or it brought out this or a memory or something in me. And he said, find that one irritant that's going to bother your reader. So Kelly, teach things that are going to irritate, annoy people and get them to pay attention. Let's move on. Thank you very much. Great point. Matt Gardner has sent us a song lyric from Redemption Song by Jamaican singer Bob Marley. It's the final track on Bob Marley and the Whalers' 12th album. Let's see what else I can tell you. Considered one of his greatest works. Key lyrics are de- derived from a speech by Pan-Africanist orator Marcus Garvey, the work that has been done. Marley was just diagnosed with cancer in his toe when he wrote the song and his wife said he was in a lot of pain. What's interesting is that this track was done without any accompaniment. It's just Marley singing and playing acoustic guitar. And it made number 66 on Rolling Stone magazines, the 500 greatest songs of all time back in 2004. Here's the line. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Mac, go ahead. Man, I was just getting goosebumps hearing you read that. That was just uh, so awesome. Um, thank you. <laughs> I, I have been a fan of Robert Nesta Marley for years. Uh, I am of uh, Caribbean descent. My dad is from Antigua. My mom is from Haiti. And it's just fascinating how a man who took music, something that is universally just combines and binds people, and spoke about empowerment and spoke about the ability that we have as individuals to really do things once we realize that we have the power to do it ourselves. And so I think when it comes to financial literacy or anything out there, uh, I think a lot of times the biggest obstacle in a person's way is himself. Um, so I think if, if we, if we, if we get focused and motivated on things that are really, really neat and, and can be beneficial, I like to say from my, my, my first book, what, what motivates you motivates your money. And so if Ooh. we can remove ourselves from being the the blockade in our lives for so many things, including financial, uh, neat things can happen. Thank you very much. What motivates you motivates your money. 
Fact. That's a quotable moment, Mr. Gardner. <laughs> I've got That's tons a- of Mac Nuggets. I've got them. Trust I me. I bet I- you <laughs> do. <laughs> I bet you do. We're going to put a copyright on that one. I don't know if we have a copyright, <laughs> an international intellectual property lawyer here. Anna Maria Lusardi, I'm looking at your quote oh, from the Mad Hatter. I'm quoting this from the 2010 American dark fantasy film, Alice in Wonderland, directed by Tim Burton. I know there have been lots of versions of Alice in Wonderland. The Mad Hatter in this very interesting movie was Johnny Depp. We won't talk about his recent courtroom appearances. Spoken to Alice, played by Mia Wasikowski. I hope I said that right, or Wasikowska. She was Alice in Wonderland. And the, t- the comment that he made is, if you knew time as well as I do, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. And Alice replies, I don't know what you mean. Anna Maria, where'd you find this? And what does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yeah, it has to do with the fact that time is so important. It's one of the assets that uh, in particular young people have. And I just want to remind everybody that we have something we can all use. And and we all have something, which is time. Um, So I wanted to highlight that and uh, to highlight one of the major suggestions that we always uh, give to everybody, which is, you know, use the time well, use the time to invest, uh, for example, in the long term, and particularly to invest in yourself. Uh, But use this great resource that you have. And this is what I tell each of my students when they say, you know, I'm taking this course, but, uh, you know, I don't have any money, uh, but, you know, you have another important resource. And the reason why uh, I also like the quote, you know, I don't know anything about it is because that's also what we hear so much when we talk about personal finance or financial literacy. The first reaction is, I don't know anything about it. And this is fine. But as uh, as we could say, you know, really try to learn um, the basics, try to educate yourself on financial literacy is just so important. It is empowering. Uh, it's going to make a difference in your life. So I'm going to use the word of uh, Alice in the Wonderland to remind all of us about that. Thank you very much. Thank you all for your wonderful quotes. I really appreciate it. We're back. We haven't had any freezes. I don't want to jinx it. We are past the halfway point, so I want to see if we can get a couple of predictions in from each of you. I put one in the chat already for Karen, one for Rumby, one for Kelly, one for Mac, Anna Marie. I'll put one in for you. Let's go around the table here. So here's how it's going to work. I will read the prediction from Karen that I've picked out of the four she sent me. Karen, take about two minutes, explain what I call unpack it. If anybody has a comment, keep it really, really brief but you have five fingers on each hand, use one of the polite fingers to signal me that you want to say something, okay? Just one of the polite fingers. I will see you and I will call on you. Just keep it really brief. And I want to make sure we get hopefully two predictions from each of you. So we're going to zip through this, make it a lightning round. Karen, here's the prediction number one. You say financial literacy will become a requirement. Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't yours. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I got to scroll all the way up. Karen, 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 Karen. Where did I get here? Karen. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm coming to it. Karen, prediction number one, social media will become the main outlet through which parents and students and children learn how to manage their finances. I found this very interesting because we all know the good, the bad, and the ugly in social media. So, Becoming the main outlet, that is a very provocative prediction. Karen, go ahead. Go for it. So a few things. First, um, as I said uh, earlier, Kelly is very creative. And uh, my brother, Rich, has come up with um, uh, words of Walter's words of wisdom. So uh, past presidents have their advisory council on financial literacy. And one of the resources that we found when I was 
the chair of the state society's uh, in, um, financial literacy committee is a chart called Money As You Grow. And it's what kids can understand at every age, three to five, six to 10, things like wants versus needs. Once you spend it, it's not yours anymore. Uh, you have choices. You may have to wait before you could buy something. You know, again, every child walks into a store and says, you know, I want it. And you have to set expectations. And so what we've done is my brother has created a poem slash song for each one of these uh, concepts. And we have on our website, waltersvault.com. And now Kelly has put it on Facebook uh, daily. Um, all these quotes, all of these songs, all of these words of wisdom that kids need to know about. And I also know that on uh, popular sites like Reddit, parents are discussing these topics on a regular basis. How much allowance should I give my child? Uh, how do I teach my child about money? They might not even know themselves about it. And sometimes they're feeling funny discussing it with their children. And, and so they, they go to these websites and they have chats on a regular basis. So we're seeing this and we, I think we got uh, 17,000 views on one of our recent YouTube videos that talks about this. So you could go to um, uh, our YouTube channel, waltofthevault.com, either waltofthevault.com or our YouTube channel for Walt of the Vault. And Kelly has put together two-minute animated series. So each concept, what happens when you get um, a gift card for your birthday? How should you mm -hmm. use it? How should you spend it? Um, on and on and on. So I, I urge you all to go and see uh, what social media is, uh, 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 what resources are out there on social media. And I think that's where the kids are going to be learning. Because I think some of the parents are afraid. Yeah, thank you. And you know, what used to be taboo, Karen and everybody, is talking about how much money you make in your job, right? We don't talk about salary. We don't talk about pay. We don't talk about bonuses, unless we're very high up and then we want the world to know. But we don't talk <laughs> about that. And that's one of the biggest taboos is, and that, of course, leads to lack of gender parity in pay. We all know that. So, you know, I don't know what you're making and what, what gender you are. And anyway, the, I, I want to jump in and say that's yeah. true of our generation, but it's not true of the new generation. They I'm all talk about their, how much they're making. I'm glad to hear basis. that. I did read recently <laughs> that women in tech, it will take 100 years for women in tech to catch up to men in tech in terms of promotions in those careers. I just did a show last week on um, the future of women in early tech careers. Should I stay or should I go? And what's being done to mentor women in tech? I'm an early woman in tech. I was back in the late 70s keep punching my programs, writing 2,000 lines of COBOL in a weekend and running them on a big mainframe, a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5, way back in the day. And I still have the printouts in my COBOL book. It was fascinating time to be alive and in tech, but nobody discouraged women in those days. We didn't have the, oh, you're a girl, you can't do that. Nobody said that. We just got our jobs. We did our thing and it was fine. I don't know when that entered, but that's a whole other topic. Rumbi, let's go to your well, prediction. I was, I, was number. Just gonna add one, I was just gonna add one more thing that our stuffed animal, plays the songs and the words of wisdom. We're not hearing it. You hear it? Nope, not hearing no. it. But we take your word for it. Thank okay. you, Walter. But, okay. but it's, it's for a young child to learn those, those values. There you go. Words. Thank you. Rumbi, uh, I put a, a prediction in the chat for you. Let me see if I can find it here. I know where it is. One second on my notes, and here we go. Rumbi prediction number one. Financial literacy will become a requirement for high school graduation across the U.S. This is a big one. Rumbi, predict it. When will this happen? 
well, it's already too late, right? <laughs> it should have happened uh, several years ago. Um, I'm hoping it happens within the next five years. And this is because you know, we, were, we were talking earlier this week I, or last week, and I think we are up to 15 dates that sort of have, a, I, I guess, a, a financial literacy um, requirement worth writing home about. I think various states maybe are at earlier stages, but it's not sort of a requirement for everyone in order for you to graduate high school. But we're at a time where um, we're talking about massive student loans and student loan relief and people having to make some choices about um, you know, what jobs they're going to take based on what kind of debt they come out of college with just to get an education. We're at a time where, you know, we've gone through a couple of years of, of this pandemic and you know, people were sort of struggling with their rent and trying to figure all of that out. Inflation, people are sort of thinking, OK, what am I going to do with my money? And things come across their sort of line of sight that look very exciting, that look very interesting don't understand if they're putting their money into a space, if that money is protected through FDIC insurance or if they even know what FDIC insurance is. There are all these things that are happening. And I think as states go along and they learn the powerful impact of financial literacy, I think you, you, you mentioned it earlier yes. about paying your bills and, and just being banked and all of these and being banked in a real bank with insurance. <laughs> So you don't have to make a run for the bank when things yes. go wrong. Um, yes. And, you know, to, 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 to Karen's point, there is a lot of, of sort of financial information going around in various places on social media. But the issue and the challenge here, right, is like, uh, I think the most recent TikTok, TikTok trend is like cooking chicken and NyQuil. And I'm like, NyQuil yes. is expensive. How yes. do you afford to like buy enough NyQuil to boil your chicken in it? But it's like there's advice that comes out. It's not always good advice. <laughs> and this is why you need that financial literacy right within the school so that when we're on social media, when we're talking about it, when we're making our decisions about what we're doing, we're doing it from a place of knowledge and not from like I heard from Frank down the street. And so I think at a certain point, you know, we 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 have very smart people in powerful places in our in our country who will sort of look at all of this and and with the help of voices around the table like the ones around this virtual table will realize that the learning it's never too early to learn and it is absolutely vital if we're going to have sort of like a powerful economy in the future thank you very much i just learned quite unhappily that a bank has the power to freeze my entire cash assets without notifying me because they're looking for collateral for a special account. And it takes five days to find out who, why, what, where, and no apology. And checks are bouncing, payments are bouncing. And that's how I found out an NSF at six in the morning from a $200 payment. And I said, where's my cash? They just took $30,000 out of a checking account and froze it. And nobody knew why. It took five days to unravel it. Now, would financial literacy have helped me? I don't think so. I'm also learning that the, the banks, the big institutions, are not really up to date on what we call the gig economy. They don't know how to deal with people who don't have a steady paycheck or an employer. They make you prove you have an income. They want your lawyer. They call your CPA. They want everybody who you know to validate you. A Schedule C is not enough. 
They don't trust you. They don't know how to deal with it. So financial literacy has changed even for people like somebody we now know where surprises by the day when you're dealing with financial institutions. I think, Rumbi and everybody, it has to be lifelong. Seriously. I could have used a, a course, a crash course in how to deal with lending institutions when you're buying and selling homes at the same time. I could have used a course. It would have saved me a lot of angst and probably a lot of money, but it's too late for that now. Okay, let's go. I'm looking at Kelly, Kelly Kirkshue. I have, I like that name, Kelly. It fits you so well. Um, we, <laughs> need, we, we need an, an app, Kelly Kirkshue. Kelly, I'm looking at prediction number three. This is cool. You say television apps and entertainment will become more educational and financial literacy will be pushed into daily entertainment. When is this happening? Take, take two and a half minutes and go ahead. It's happening now and we've started it. <laughs> um, I think growing up, I never ever, I just think looking back other than Richie Rich, who got like a million dollar check. When is the other time you ever heard anyone in TV talk about money? This drink costs $5. No, they just say, oh, it's expensive. Oh, whatever. And you see that in your real life too. I recently was listening to NPR and they were talking about Sesame Street and how before mm -hmm. Sesame Street, nothing was educational on TV. And they introduced Sesame Street within like two months. It was like parents in, in states, they were saying, we don't want to show this. Parents were demanding show Sesame Street. We need this. Parents were demanding for it. It got preschoolers up to the level that by the time they were starting kindergarten, teachers had to rewrite the whole course because they were smart enough for kindergarten already. Whoa, let's do that with money. <laughs> so let me tell you one thing. Harry Potter, right? Have you heard this? Do you, everyone knows Harry Potter. But did you know kids who have read Harry Potter? are more likely to be more empathetic towards others, towards minorities, more open-minded. Harry Potter makes kids greater people. Kids that play video games are more are better at problem solving, better at um, creativity, better at understanding history, better at management. Kids spend more than 15 hours a week on video games. Kids ages 4 to 15 spend almost two hours a day watching YouTube and TikTok. And kids ages 8 to 12 spend almost four hours a day uh, in the U.S., U.K., and Spain. So right now, the problem that Karen and I keep seeing is that education isn't selling. We are going to people, and Karen's been working on this probably wall to the vault as long as I've been alive, and education doesn't sell. She can't get anyone to pick it up. But I think once one person does, once start people realizing it, they'll go, holy crap, this is incredible. I showed it to my stepsister, and then, um, and I, I, was showing the, I was showing my episode, I recently saw my family. I showed an episode where both kids get $20. There's a brother and sister in our TV episode. And one boy, he just starts, with, oh, I'm so rich. And he pays for everything that's a little more extravagant. And the sister starts making wise choices. And just with $20, my stepsister started getting anxiety while watching it. And she was like, oh, my God, ah, I see this. Well, he's going to run out of money. And then at the end of the episode, he's not going to be able to buy something. And that's really what happened. And so I think... This is so fantastic. And she said, oh my God, this needs to be everywhere. And so I think why financial literacy can fit so well into um, TV and games is because they're already there. So rather than fight them, we meet them where we're at. And according to um, a PhD, Mark, Matt Rouse, I looked it up. He said that watching media together with your child creates a common language. So mm -hmm. it's a really great way to start this conversation as well. You can watch that episode together and later go, hey, remember when Ben was spending all his money so fast, but then Penny still had $10 left in the end? Wow. So I think as well, it's a great way to kind of help parents start that conversation. Thank you. Seven Very ideas in one. I appreciate that. I lost count. Thank you very much, Matt Gardner. I'm looking at prediction number three. Interesting. You need to really unpack this for me. Digital redlining. 
will become the new challenge to overcome. Mac, first unpack, then what's when is this happening and why? And yeah, where? so uh, we're we're a fintech. We we straddle two worlds here at Finlatech. One is financial services, and the other is fintech. And for those of you just of a, a bit of history and background, uh, redlining is something that I wish I could say was done, but was done a lot more years ago as a way to sort of keep people of color and certain folks away from certain areas when it came to buying homes. Um, And so that whole redlining concept construct was pretty much a way to keep folks, keep the haves away from the have-nots. But it was done through loans, it was done through real estate, and it was done through ownership of property. Um, we see the power that fintech can have in uh, democratizing financial literacy. It's a whole lot easier to scale an app than it is to scale a book. We know that we're building tools to do that. But one of the things you have to look at is who has access to this technology? Who has the phones? Who has the Mm -hmm. iPads? Who has the, uh, the, the, the high bandwidth internet in their neighborhoods, and who does not. And so when things like social media are becoming the go-to resource for, I mean, my <laughs> joke, my wife, my wife jumps on TikTok and finds out news <laughs> before CNN has it. Um, <laughs> when, when, when you have these types, of, these types of solutions that are being leaned on for knowledge and advice, the, the, the next question is, is, okay, how will folks access? Who is getting access to it? Yeah. And I think that's something that we need to be very aware of as, as fintech is evolving and, and, and touching so many aspects of our lives. Digital redlining is, is similar to, to what was done in the past, is, is to be excluding people because they don't have access. Thank you. And that brought to mind a song. I don't know whether it's from Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. In your neighborhood. Okay. The people that you meet each day. I try not to sing on my shows. It just it takes it in well, a different direction. And, 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 and Bonnie, <laughs> just, just a, one, one other thing yeah. I'll put on top Go of ahead. that. I, I believe in my heart of heart that all we are is a collection of stories, right? That's literally all we are. Absolutely. We all go through life here and sharing stories. And someone else brought up on this, this, this call earlier that certain folks will get the stories. My kids will know what a stock and bond is. My kids will know what a 401k, 43 because my kids mm-hmm. will know it. 90%, if not more, of children won't ever get that. Won't ever get that. And so yep. how do we get underserved, overlooked communities access to this information? It's through technology, but you also have to have the infrastructure in place for them to be able to get it. Thank you, Mac. All yeah. good points. Anna Maria, I want to get, I know you have to, we'll be done before you have to leave. We'll be fine. Anna Maria, prediction number three, this is near and dear to me because I mentioned it earlier. You say over time, and I want to know what that timeline is. The gender difference in financial literacy will shrink and women and girls will become more comfortable talking about and managing money. All I can say is amen. When's it going to happen, Anna Maria? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh- Uh, It's an optimistic prediction, but I am an optimist uh, here, and I really do hope that financial literacy, as I mentioned earlier, will be started in school, in the workplace, at the universities, uh, and if we do so, we could shrink this uh, uh, gender gap. And I want to say that the gender gap is pervasive. Um, it's, uh, It's true almost in every country around the world. So what our research shows that uh, women answer the financial literacy questions in the same way, if you ask this question in the US, 
in France, in Australia, in Ghana, in Brazil. Uh, so what women tend to say disproportionately is, I do not know, uh, which is uh, sometimes a good answer, uh, right? Because, you know, if you're not sure, then, uh, you know, you are more willing to say that you do not know the answer. Um, and so we have looked at this and we have actually seen that, you know, there is a, a gender gap both in knowledge and in confidence. Um, but th there is still a gender gap in knowledge uh, by itself. Um, I do think that uh, given the current uh, situation and given the push around the world for financial literacy from policymakers, um, some countries have made financial literacy mandatory in school. Um, if we continue on that trajectory, I think we can reduce that gender gap. Thank you very much. I'm optimistic along with you. And it all comes from things like when do you start teaching it in what schools by male teachers, female teachers, what do parents say, what do social media say, what do the games and the cartoons, Kelly, say, and what's the access, as, as Max said, to these opportunities. Karen, I'm going to close with, we just have three and a half minutes left, but I want to sneak in this one prediction here because this is major, Karen. Take just two minutes, really tight. Karen says, decline in the utilization of cash. Social media and modern technology suggest that cashless transactions will be the primary form of payment. Kids will just pay for transactions using their phones. Is that dangerous, Karen? Go ahead. Two minutes on the clock. Ms. Tenenbaum, you're up. We're already living in a cashless society. How many times do you go to dinner with friends and you have to Venmo uh, them your half? Or the 20-year-olds don't even know how to write out a check. Uh, the 30-year-olds are finding that it's a nuisance to get cash from an ATM machine. How many people are paying bills online? Um, I would say that the pandemic accelerated buying online. You know, it's a, a nuisance to go to the local hardware store or stationery store and find out that they're out of stock of your item. It's certainly easier to buy online. Yep. But uh, I, I still want to go and try and close, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> um, but, but kids still have a piggy bank at a very young age. I have to say, maybe not the older kids. Maybe they're having, they have bank accounts. But they need to also learn how to save, spend, donate. My three-year-old grandson knows that you put your valuables in a vault, in a safe, even if those valuables are his hot wheel little cars. He knows that's where the valuables go. And I think that that's important. And, you know, when uh, everyone uh, has a baby, uh, they're buying um, porcelain piggy banks. I think you need a plush and a plastic bank like Walter uh, and, and, and to learn young. To start young, start young and make it fun. That's what we say. Start young and make it fun. Make it fun. And constantly have that conversation. You Thank know, you, Bonnie, quick, yeah, quick thing. I, I, a, a funny, crazy prediction that I tell people. I predict in the future, you may have to be ID'd if you use cash to buy something at a store. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. By, by the way, well, the I IRS had... already gets uh, transactions ten, more than $10,000. And they also yep. uh, go to ca these cash checking places these check cashing places and, and get information and start audits based on that. I had to be ID'd twice to get a cashier's check at a major bank yesterday. And one of the forms of ID was the driver's license. Okay. The other, they didn't like what I had. They texted me on my phone to see if I was really me and I'm standing there at the counter and I wow. had to read the code number. Oh yes. I had to read the code number back. Very, very interesting. We have got to go, but I have a homework assignment quickly for all of you. Anne Maria Rommel, I know you have another webinar to go to. Well, this wasn't a webinar. This was a conversation. So I want you all, I'm going to say thank you to my engineer, Anne, 
Andrew. Andrew, thank you for getting us on the air. Thank you to LinkedIn. Thank you to Facebook. Thank Karen Tenenbaum. You did it. You brought me an extraordinarily smart, savvy, and passionate and interesting panel. Nice people, too. I'm glad to meet all of you. (laughs) And I want to say, everybody says the future is already here. And I want you all to, on the count of three, wag your finger and say, no, no, no. You ready? One, two, three. No, 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 no. Because that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet, and we're all here to make it a better one. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Now.